It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Live Axe Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. You can tell it's fall. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk uh, fall fishing with Jason Freed and Ray Gildow both locally and up on Leach and Winnie. We're also going to talk to Jason Free too. He's the new head football coach of the Brainerd Warriors and what it's been like for him to actually be a first-year head coach going through this whole COVID thing because they're going to play in the spring now, not the fall. So we'll uh, chat a little bit about that. Mandy Urich's going to drop by, talk some fall bass fishing and the latest from the lax from Steve Saponiak. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we start things off with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. Oars and Mine can set you up with a full line of live bait and tackle, a new rig, fishing reports, and the perfect dock arrangement for your lakeside living. The gateway to the Cuyuna Lakes area, Oars and Mine on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we kick the show off with our local report. And joining us this week is uh, Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. And uh, Jason uh, is going to give us an update uh, basically on what's happening here locally. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about... uh, you know, football, believe it or not. Jason is the uh, new head coach of the Brainerd Warriors, and football postponed until spring due to COVID and kind of the trials and tribulations he's been having to go through through that. So, uh, Jason, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, so I, I'm, I know you've been doing some fishing because, uh, you know, <laughs> football season, like we said, is, isn't going to happen this fall, so I'm sure you've probably been pretty busy with that. Uh, with these colder water temps, uh, what can you tell us? Well, the, def- the temps are definitely dropping. Um, you know, I think that's the time of year where everybody gets so excited when we get that first cold front, and they think, you know, our temps are just going to go from 75 to, you know, 72 down to, you know, the prime time upper 50s. And it takes still time, but we're getting some, you know, a little bit more wind. We got some wind here this last week, and, and these wa- you know, the water temps are starting to drop, and it's definitely starting to get down into the 60s. Uh, the fish are starting to move out. Uh, you're starting to see a few more fish moving down onto the, the weed lines, which is, you know, for a place like Gull Lake, you know, for many, much of the summer, those fish are relating to the weeds and, and you'll see them here and there on the weed lines, but they are usually pretty tight to the weeds and you got to fish them differently. And this is for, for fishermen in the Premier Lakes area. Fall is the time to be on Gull Lake. Uh, Pelican Lake's really starting to, to make a comeback. We're seeing more fish with some real, um, you know, specific stocking efforts done by the Walleye Alliance and, and the Pelican Lake Home Association. So we're starting to see that coming back. Uh, North Long, Whitefish, and so, and all of them set up very similar. You know, they all set up with, you know, deeper weed lines, steeper breaks. And as the water temps get down in here into the low 60s now, and we eventually get to that magic, you know, below 60 mark, those fish really start to show up on those steeper breaks on the structure with typical fall stuff. And, and that's where uh, these lakes, I think, really shine. Um, and which is fun because the tourists start to kind of start to leave and uh, a lot of your locals start fishing the lakes a lot more and, and they get out and really can have some really, really good fishing. In this You spend a lot of time on Leech as well, Jason. Have you been doing most of your fishing here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area or have you been making a few trips up there too? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I've been fishing a little bit around here. I, I've done a few, you know, a few trips. Now I'm back to teaching and everything. So I've done a few trips up on Leech uh, and up in that Cass Lake area. Uh, we've had some guides as well, so I've been kind of covering the you know the whole 371 corridor here a little bit, uh, you know, fishing the weekends and such. So 
uh, up in the Leech Lake area, we're starting to see um, the, the jumbos are starting to show up, which is uh, real positive. Some of our guides for Leisure are out this week and um, kind of catching a mixed bag. We're uh, getting some nice, you know, jumbo perch, 10 to 12 inches, uh, mixed in with walleyes. And this is usually a really good time of year now, mid to late September, to be fishing perch on Leech Lake. And uh, Leech is kind of like the local, the local lakes, uh, kind of in that mid-60s right now. Uh, the fish aren't maybe quite quite on that false um, you know locations you're still catching fish on on uh, you know crawlers and um, and as well as big has bigger minnows and and you know some of those tactics that are kind of your late summer tactics but uh, I think now as we progress a little bit more and with those with that bigger body of water where the wind picks up a little bit more on places like leach you're gonna start to see those water temps really start to go and I think uh, leach is like the local area I think it's about seven to ten days away from probably getting pretty darn good out there would you say the same thing as as you know, with muskies and stuff on leech too? Are they starting to go, or are we still a little early yet? Yeah, no, actually, muskie fishing is, was really really good in August. Um, you know, Toby and Tim do a lot of our muskie trips for us, and uh, they had a lot of success. Uh, the fish were moving. Um, now, as we get into that part of the time of year where the the tulabies, uh, start to spawn, uh, that can be a really, really good time on leech, especially with the large tulip population that's in the lake and finding those spawning areas. And when it hits that magic temperature there, those fish start to spawn. And that's when those, those nice big muskies will slide up onto those, uh, tulip spawning areas. And that's usually a pretty good time to catch a pretty big muskie on leech lake, as well as a lot of, a lot of other muskie lakes. So, um, I, I think the, you, you talk to guys who are muskie guys, and I'm not a diehard muskie guy by any means, but, you talk to the guys who are musky guys, you know, they'll tell you that maybe the numbers of fish go down a little bit in the fall um, in terms of what maybe you see um, because the fish are kind of becoming a little bit, maybe not quite as much of a chaser as they are when the water temps are, are really peaked in August. Uh, but the size of the fish goes up. And then the later you get into the fall on leech, that's when the open water trolling bite really starts to pick up, pick up too in places like Walker Bay. And that's where guys will catch multiple muskies in the day. Uh, just pulling open water and, and finding those those areas where the tulabies have pulled off and are, and are now out suspended over deep water. And that's, that, you know, you talk to guys, and I know guys who, will, you know, they'll put multiple muskies in the boat in a day while doing it. And they're, but they're also the guys who are out there until, you know, until the ice gets to the landing and you can't get out anymore. Sure. Picking up a few pike with those as well? Yeah, you know, you'll catch uh, the occasional bigger pike out there uh, on the suspended as well. But Leach just really isn't known for... Uh, you know, a lot of big pike. I mean, they're they're in there here and there. Uh, you catch them, you know, throughout the uh, throughout the summer. You know, maybe when you're accidentally fishing for walleyes, and you'll catch a big pike on a minnow or something. But uh, you do catch the occasional pike out there. But it's not it's not a numbers game for pike either. Right here in the Brainerd Lakes area, Jason, are you hearing anything on the crappie front yet, or are we a little early on that too? Uh, I'd say we're a little early uh, as we get into late September, early October. Um, that's when things are going to get good. That's so for the guy who likes to catch both crappies and walleyes, it kind of times up right. Uh, but those, I would say as we get into late September, early October, those crappies are going to start, you know, moving into their wintering holes. Um, and you know, then obviously when ice comes, they're going to be still there. So, um, definitely, I know one tactic a lot of guys use, and I've used a little bit as well in the fall when I've had time to fish is just a real slow troll, uh, over top of, you know, a couple split shots or a split shot, a puddle jumper, um, or, you know, jigging a minnow with a, you know, and getting it down there and just slowly trolling over these areas uh, when you mark these crappies. When you do see them, you'll see them on your, on your electronics, and uh, that's usually one of the better tactics, as well as small jigging wraps work well for these crappies uh, this time of year. I know guys who do that as well when they find, when they get on top of the schools, they just spot lock and, 
in vertical jig with a, with a small, you know, number five, um, you know, jig and wrap, and even number three. Interesting. So there's some things for people to uh, check out if they want to get out on the water. And we're getting into the throws now, fall fishing. Um, we did want to talk a little bit, switching gears to my favorite sport, and that would be football. Uh, if people didn't know, Jason, you are the new head coach of the Brainerd Warriors football team and taking over for the legendary Ron Stolsky. And um, <laughs> you, you had enough to get ready as a first-time head coach, and then COVID hits, and you had all that thrown in. What, what has that been like for you? And, and I mean, how has that kind of changed your approach now that we're looking at playing in the spring? You know, it's, it's, been, it's been really interesting. It's been uh... – I tell them I've had a lot of interviews about this, and it's been a lot of highs and lows. And, and you know, getting a job in, in March, two weeks before the governor's announcement about shutting things down. And so we, we were, I was fortunate, you know, myself and a couple assistants really took the lead uh, during that transition time before um, the head coach was named. And we had a lot of really good positive momentum going with, with weight room. And, and then when I got the job, we had a lot of excitement, and we were really generating a lot of good things. And then COVID hit. And we worked really hard at how we communicated with kids throughout COVID. Um, you know, videos every week, video chats, text messaging. Uh, we had competitions. We did all kinds of stuff to really stay engaged and connected with the kids, which I felt was super important during times like that. You know, but as the course of time goes on, it's, it gets tougher and tougher because you didn't see kids. And so we kind of had maybe a little downtick in momentum. And then um, we found out that we could start doing things with kids again in July. Um, so we started getting workouts in in mid June, and then we started we did some football camps in July, and so that that momentum went went back up again, and and then and then the first week of uh, first first full week of August came, and I think it was August fourth, um, and and they announced that they were going to move football to to the spring, which was really a shocker to me. I, I really didn't think they would move it. I, I felt pretty strongly that they might push the season back a little bit in the fall. Um, but they decided to move it, and they have their reasons. And obviously, they did their time, their due diligence, and their research. And may not ever, may not, you know, everybody maybe actually, you know, agrees with that more than likely not. But it is what it is. They had to make a governing decision, and they did that. And and um, and so now we're, we've kind of had to transition, and we've worked our tails off as a coaching staff, um, you know, doing things throughout the summer and, and communicating with our kids and working with them. And I actually just had a team meeting this afternoon after school. Uh, ironic that uh, we're doing the phone interview and talking football. I just 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 literally got done with a team meeting about an hour and a half ago, and um, we're we are now allowed to have twelve practices, one of which can be an inter squad scrimmage, and um, and so we have a for the next about three and a half weeks, we're able to get these practices and a scrimmage in, and uh, so we've got we got a schedule set up, and we're gonna. It's basically the way I look at it is. Um, this is like our August. It's just in September and October. So typically you have your August two-a-days, your August pre, you know, kind of preseason camp before you start playing games. And that's kind of how we have to look at this because when football season does come in the middle of March, it's literally going to go from being a standstill, zero miles an hour, to 100 miles an hour. And um, because you're probably going to have a couple of weeks to get ready for your first game, and then you're just going to be go, go, go. And um, so – it's going to definitely going to be a little crazy when that comes. So we're really looking at this fall as like, we need to get a lot of evaluation done. We need to get a lot of positive things done with our, our installs and, uh, and continue to build on, you know, the team aspect of what we have going. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're excited. I mean, I'm one of those guys, I'm not gonna, I maybe sat and kind of bummed about it for a little while. And then, 
I was actually I was on a guide trip when I found I got the news and I was following it on um, Twitter and getting all kinds of text messages and then I kind of had that ride home from from uh, Walker that day to kind of just unwind and really think this all through and and realize that there's sometimes there's always a silver lining to something and um, I look at the I look at the the opportunity now for us to have five more months to work with our kids help them prepare for a season, help them get bigger, faster, stronger, um, and just and just really take time to, to really do some things. And, and I'm excited because I'm also able to get involved more now this fall because I didn't maybe have well, – I wouldn't have had the time this year because of the craziness of the first year to get more involved with the BYAA football program, our middle school football program, um, and do some really positive things that maybe I wouldn't have been able to do until maybe year two. Um, because I would have been a lot more consumed with what we needed to get done in year one with the, uh, the nine through 12 program. So there's, I think there's some real silver linings to it. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, a week ago I was, uh, I was bumming. It was a beautiful Friday night and we should have been hopefully playing Elk River down on our home field. And, and I thought that nothing would have been a better than a Friday night game tonight. And we unfortunately didn't have one, but, um, life goes on and that's kind of our mantra and we're going to, it's going to keep moving forward and with what we got to do. And, and as a coaching staff, we're excited and we're going to work with our kids and, and we're going to take every opportunity we have to get them better between now and uh, the end of the season. Did you have any kids opt out? We did not. Nope. No, I, you know, I, I laugh and I had that question, you know, and you know, the, the thing I love about coaching in Brainerd is we got a lot of kids who love to hunt and fish and and be outdoors and and love to play sports and so a lot of our kids you know they were disappointed obviously but um they also know that uh we still have a season and we we, t- we talked about that with a lot of our kids and um you know you, you've heard about that throughout other places where kids have opted out and they've even transferred to other states um and we haven't seen any of that here with our program and and honestly i think it hasn't happened a ton in minnesota maybe in some few i've read in the newspaper a few places uh down south and uh, over on the uh, western part of the state where maybe they're bordering you know iowa north dakota south dakota where some kids have uh you know moved and gone to some other places or have opted out but um i think we're uh, for the most part within the state of minnesota i think we've held pretty strong and our kids are sticking with the programs that they're in you know, and one last thing on this, uh, Jason, I uh, had a friend of mine that I was talking with a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he had a, a son that is a very good uh, high school player and was on the fringe of getting a Division One scholarship, and they basically canceled. The, they're not even going to play in the spring. They've completely canceled everything. So I, I'd imagine that was something on your mind, too, because some of these kids, I mean, they're looking at possibilities of scholarships and stuff too, and, and it's it's awesome that we're actually doing this in the spring, so they get a chance to actually play and get some film out there too. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and that's obviously a big concern, and I've heard that from people. And, and you know, what are we going to do? And you know, the NSIC, the you know, they're they're put off football till the spring, and and uh, but a wise coach once said to me, he said, uh, the good ones are still going to get found. And I think that's a really good mantra for people to live by. And, and you know, in the day and age of highlight films and, you know, camps and combines and all these things, in reality, kids will still be found. Um, there's With the day and age of technology and kids' is, you know, film out, on, out online, I mean, very rarely do kids even 
Um, you know, do college coaches even do that many college visits anymore because they can watch everything online and then they just set up times for those kids to come and see them. And, and so, I mean, obviously it'll have maybe an effect some, um, especially more so with maybe the bigger, bigger colleges. Uh, but I think in our state with a lot of the kids who maybe play, um, you know, the division two level, uh, the division three level, I don't think you're going to see it maybe have as big of an impact, but you know, you can count on, there's going to be some, you know, probably somewhat of an impact with maybe the FCS and FBS uh, level kids. Um, and I think that's obviously been a concern for some kids is they don't want to lose out on those opportunities. And, and you can't blame them for that because that is their future. And, and that is what they're looking for. And so it's definitely a, it's definitely a teeter totter. Um, but I think when it's all said and done, it'll shake itself out and it will be real stable. And, uh, yeah, and ideally, it's we're going to maybe have to wear uh, snow pants. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. It'll be interesting this spring. That's Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Check him out at leisureoutdooradventures.com and also the uh, new head football coach of the Brainerd Warriors. Jason, uh, good luck. I appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you soon, okay? I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3 and joining us once again, one of our favorite contributors here to the show, and that is Mandy Urich. And she talks a lot of bass fishing and a lot of other stuff with us on the show, but uh, Mandy's big thing is bass fishing, no doubt about that, Mandy. And, uh, you know, we had these colder water temps, uh, a drastic drop in temperature. How does that affect bass fishing compared to like walleye and pike and even muskies, to be honest with you? Oh, they take that shock not as good. <laughs> so we just had this, obviously, like someone flipped the switch. We went right into, like, you know, cold 30-degree, you know, nights and mornings. Uh, we need some time, right? We need some time for those fish to kind of adjust to that shock. So we talk, right, always about water temperature, especially with bass, how it affects their metabolisms. And this time of year, everything's putting the feed bag on, which makes it super awesome. Um for bass, though, we're almost there. We're getting there. They just need a little more time to adjust. Uh, there, again, it depends on how big of a body of water, uh, if it's a clear water body or a turbid body of water, because obviously turbid bodies of water warm up a lot quicker uh, than clear bodies of water. But overall right now, there's definitely some tactics and some baits that no matter what body of water are going to be your go-to for, for fall bass fishing. So what would those be? Big baits, baby. Big bass are big for a reason. Uh, the the big bass, they they put the feed bags on, but they also conserve energy, right? They're not going to be chasing around those M&Ms. Like, they're specifically targeting, like, the steaks. So this time of year, put away those finesse sticks. No more little micro worms. Uh, pull out your big baits. I love big spinner baits. Uh, jerk baits are good. Rattle trap season, thank you. Big swim baits and big jigs. And here again, we're, we're talking about, we're almost going back to a spring tactic as far as slow your retrieve down, right? Those fish are going to be feeding. They're going to be feeding aggressively, but they're not going to want to extend a bunch of energy and chase down those big baits. So you're, you're throwing all those big baits. You're, you're bringing them in, I mean, as slow as you possibly can. But the cool part is, bass are they're schooling up right now so as soon as you can get on a school you can basically you you know it might have 10 fish it might have 40 fish in it 
So it's it's just it's an awesome time of year. Um, I like specifically in the mornings because the water temp is going to be colder. Those fish are going to slide out of the shallows and they're going to slide into the deeper water as that water cools because that deeper water is going to be more consistent in temperature. So in the mornings, I'm going to start on steep breaks and I'm going to put the boat in 20 feet of water and I'm going to be casting up to whatever that outside vegetation line is. You know, it may be 15, it might be 17. Um, and, and really playing that, that slow retrieve. If, it, you know, throwing big jigs, uh, half-ounce jigs with big plastic trailers on them, that, that big plastic trailer actually helps to slow the fall of that jig. So it gives those bass a little more time to see it as it's falling through that water column. And then as the day progresses and that water warms up, those fish are going to move up onto flats. So anywhere from 9 to 13 uh, feet for plaths is really good, especially if you can find live vegetation. Right now the vegetation's dying off as the water temperatures get colder. Any place that you're seeing good coontail, good cabbage that's still green, one tiny clump, you know, this half the size of your boat could hold a heck of a lot of fish. So right now I'm laying down these little random waypoints all over the place, just kind of keeping track of where that live, live vegetation is. Um, and as it gets colder, then that vegetation starts to die off. Those fish are really going to key in on different types of cover. Maybe it's it's wood, maybe it's rocks, maybe they're actually pushing out onto some of those steeper edges. But it's go time. I'm so excited. <laughs> and so is basically top water off the grid right now, Mandy? Is that done for the year? Not necessarily. Um, there's... As the, in a few weeks, it, it's going to be, um, but it's still an excellent time to frog. Um, I just wouldn't be frogging in the morning. I would definitely wait until that late afternoon when the water temps have warmed up and those fish have slid back to the shallows. It can, they can be super aggressive um, on those bites. It's a good time for buzz baits, too. Um, and not so much. I like, I like buzz baits. I like frogs. I love a jerk bait. Like, I think with that slow retrieve and that jerky action, and you can fish them depending on what depth of jerkbait you're throwing, you can fish something super shallow all the way down to to 12 feet with it and produces a lot of big hits. So basically what you're saying, though, uh, with these cooler water temps and heading into fall, the best thing to do, fish slow and and fish a little deeper, huh? Correct. In the the morning, absolutely. Uh, And then as that water temp warms up, that's when those fish are going to start to to move back up and into the remaining vegetation line into the pads, things like that. And they'll become a little bit more active too, right? Because water temps are are coming up and they're going to feel a little more active and and put those feed bags on. So what else do you have coming up? I know you you do a lot of derbies and and some tournaments and stuff like that. I mean, you're going to be pretty busy here in the next couple of weeks, huh? It's winding down, but it's not kind of a deal. I've got one more big multi-species event coming up on the Mississippi River uh, tomorrow smaller bass events and then it's time for me to put bass gear away and go right into wally derby season so yeah i've got a few of those derbies on the books i got one more uh show that i need to film for long at the end of the month then then i don't know maybe i'll put all the fishing tackle away in october and just focus on hunting (laughs) that's kind of what my plan is uh what do you like to do for walleyes in the fall mandy because everybody kind of has a different tactic they do and honestly it completely depends on you know which body of water and heck what's even going on with the wind that day 
Um, I like to live bait rig for them. I, I love pulling windy rigs for them. It's probably, you know, one of my favorites. We're getting into that time of year where a snap jig uh, really becomes super effective on maybe some of those deeper humps. Uh, and it's effective, too, not just for walleye, but for all, for other species. It's crazy how many times I've gotten into a school of perch that as fast as you can drop that snap jig down, you know, one's on the front and one's on the back of it as you're reeling it up. But, um, yeah, I like to, I like to live bait rig. Uh, normally, as the water temps drop, those fish are going to be pushing out deeper. And there's a couple factors that, too. One, we're losing the vegetation, right? The walleyes are in that veg line, too. So the vegetation dies off, they need to find either cover or they need to go deeper, obviously, because of sunlight penetration. And two, indicative of what's going on with our, our weather patterns, we're getting a lot of high-pressure bluebird days, right? Because that's what's bringing in and, and cooling our temperatures down that makes fall for us. So there again, it still works for, for walleye uh, to, to troll vegetation lines. Uh, you can use super small, like, inline spinner baits. Um, even some slow death rigs right now are, are really, really good. But yeah, it's one of the few times of the year where I, I, I actually put the minnow on the hook and go fishing. That's awesome. And uh, once again, I, and I'll ask you here in, in just a bit how people want to get in touch with you, Mandy, but um, I did put up on the uh, Brainerd Outdoors Facebook page a video that you had cut, just a little snippet of it. Um, we actually took some people out fishing and how you actually decided, you said, you know, I got to give back. You know, I, I feel so lucky to be able to do what I do, so I feel like I have to give back to other people. Um, people get a chance to check that video out. It's awesome. Um, how, how do you really, I mean, that's got to make you feel really good to be able to give back to the industry that you love so much. It's humbling, and I maybe this is the time and the platform to say, but thank you. Thank you to you know, allowing me to have my voice heard. I think that's a really big deal, especially uh, with creating and, and making new social norms. It's, it's not very often that you, you hear a strong female voice talking fishing on the radio. And I know you guys took a chance on me how many years ago, and, and I appreciate it, I, I, the fact that you guys continue to have me on. But it, it, it's nice, and, and maybe it'll start a movement. But, yeah, absolutely. Like, I have this debt that I feel like I, I can't ever pay no matter how much I do because I've been so lucky to have so many people um, helped me throughout my life and my career. So, yeah, it was interesting. It was kind of a out of the blue call, and uh, they kind of, you know, gave me an interview. And I waited a few weeks, and they gave me a call back, and they're like, "Hey, we'd love to do a documentary on you." <laughs> so, a little, a little shocking for me. I'm just like, really. <laughs> well, you do a great job, and and once again, you and I have never really fished together before, but. I, I I look at your history, and I mean, I know you're a, gr- a great angler, and there's a reason that you're on the air with us because, I mean, you do a fantastic job. And so I think what you're doing throughout the industry is just incredible. So keep it up. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that's Mandy Yurick. Mandy, if people want more info on you, how can they get it? I mean, Facebook, Instagram, pretty much any social media. Tune in and Google one of our podcasts. There you go. Mandy Yurick, a fantastic contributor here to Brainerd Outdoors. Uh, Good luck out there, and uh, hopefully you and I can get out either out in the boat or maybe out in a tree stand or something later this fall, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Sounds great. Thanks. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3.
Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And once again, our good friend Ray Gildow joins us with the Niswa Guides League, a wealth of knowledge from Ray. And uh, we're going to talk some fall fishing with Ray because we're kind of getting into the throes of that right now. We'll also talk a little bit about Leech Lake. But, Ray, let's start up on Winnie. What are you hearing up there? Yeah, let's start on Winnie. Uh, I talked a little bit with Kim uh, Leanhart and... Uh, they had four or five days of extreme wind, really, really howling up there. Um, this is before midweek where things slowed down a little bit. 45-mile-an-hour uh, winds took out sections of their dock, and their dock is way off the water. If you ever saw it, you would say, wow, that must have been some waves to block, knock that stuff off. So it was really rough. People couldn't put in because they put in from the east side of the lake right into the open water. Uh, they don't have a harbor, and so they weren't able to put their boats in there for about four or five days. So they had they take their boats up to Cutfoot Sioux, which is to the north, <clears throat> and put them in there. And when people had some days uh, before the cold front, they were just really doing well. And then this cold front that came through, it was a pretty drastic cold front. That has really changed fishing uh, across Leech Lake and across Winnie, it's really slowed it down. Not like uh, Leech was on fire before, but Winnie was on fire. Winnie was really doing well. Uh, we talked about them catching a lot of walleyes in 5 uh, to 10 feet of water on jigs and minnows. So it was really, really good, and they were also catching some crappies. But that kind of shut down right now, and so I think everybody's waiting for this weather to stabilize a little bit. It's looking like next week, climbing back up into the 70s and maybe upper 70s, so that's going to make it a lot better. Uh, Leech Lake has been slow. Uh, again, it wasn't on fire before, but when this cold front came in, it really slowed things down. I, I just talked with a friend of mine last night who was on the, uh, over on Battle Point is where he lives, and he said, man, it's been really tough the last three or four days <clears throat> just uh, getting one or two fishes about all they could do. Uh, before that, they were picking up eight, nine fish on on a day uh, with uh, three, you know, three guys, and so that's pretty good. So it's been uh, pretty slow uh, since that cold front came in, and uh, but it's still an exciting time of the year because now we're going to see those water temperatures drop, and they're dropping now into the middle to low 60s. And uh, next week, it probably will slow that drop down. But the days are shorter, the sun sets earlier, and the evenings are cooler, so we're just going to naturally see our lakes starting to cool down. And that cool down is going to really, really, uh, I think it's going to help our fishing a lot. And I, I was reading some uh, old books I've got and some old uh, print, uh, I don't want to call them magazines, they're not magazines, but Ron and Al Linder and a guy by the name of Bill Binkelman, who was really kind of a mentor to Ron and Al way back in the 60s, uh, he was just considered one of the real experts on fishing. And I was uh, reading the, the works that they did, in, and this was from 1974. And I think that what they did in 1974, the things they studied about for fishing and the lakes, is still relevant today. It's just as accurate today as it was back then. And one of the things that they, uh, they stressed was that fish are roamers. They're uh, animal roamers just like deer and just like fox. And when you think about fish being in the lake, you think about the water. But they follow structure. They're very much following the structure of the lake. And they have patterns in the spring, in the summer, and the fall that they follow this structure. They have areas where they feed. They have areas where they feel safe. 
And uh, when you find out what those structures are, uh, that's when you can really start having a good time. And we know now that this time of the year, the uh, structure fishing is going to be different because the water's cooling down. And as the water starts cooling down, the fish move into the shallows and the, the minnows will start moving into the shallows to spawn in the early fall. And then later in the fall, they'll move out of those uh, spawning areas into a little deeper water. <clears throat> and uh, they, uh, we have what we call a, a thermocline, which we've talked about many times. And that's that layer of upper layer of water and the cooler lower layer of water where the two meet. And usually it's in that 28 to 30 feet of water. And in the fall, that thermocline, when it gets cool enough on the top, that warmer water starts cooling down, dropping down and replacing the colder water. And the colder water is actually become a little warmer, and it'll slide up. So we call this a rollover, a turnover, the fall turnover. And it usually is not officially done until the temperature reaches about 39 degrees. But there's always wind blowing on lakes, and there's always wind mixing up these water temperatures. And there's often a week or two where, boy, it's just really tough to catch a fish, a walleye, a northern, or anything. And that's because a lot of times these uh, temperature changes affect the fish, slows them down a little bit, affects how they eat. And then once that stabilizes, that's when we seem to really have some good fishing. And um, the later in the fall, as the game fish move into deeper spots on the lakes with thermoclines, that's when you can start running over these fish with your depth finders, and you can see them down there, and you can catch them. And throughout the fall, areas with remaining green weeds or green vegetation are prime fishing spots. And despite this being a time of uh, transition, a jig and a minnow is probably the best presentation no matter what the depth is because it's just a very, very good bait this time of the year. And another rule of thumb is to go a little bit bigger with your bait and to go slow because as, as that water temperature is moving uh, cooler, the fish like to be slowing down so they can stock up on, on food and they don't like to spend a lot of their energy chasing things. So go a little bigger and go a little bit slower. And um, the transition areas on some of our lakes, uh, if you look at Gall Lake, if you look at Round Lake, if you look at North Long Pelican, those are all lakes with thermoclines because they have deep water, and that deep water takes a while for that to roll over, usually in October, November. But if you go to lakes like Leech and Leech uh, Red Lake, uh, Winnie, they, some parts of the lake have thermoclines and other parts don't. If you look at the um, Walker Bay area, for example, there's, that's 150 feet deep on Leech Lake itself. But if you look at the other parts, the big parts of the lake, Steamboat Bay, Sucker Bay, Portage Bay, the average depth is 15 feet. And so there's not a thermocline, there's not a rollover there, and so those fish tend to start moving towards the shores in the fall like they are in the spring. When we start fishing them in the spring, we're usually fishing along shorelines and, uh, you know, just little humps off the shorelines. And that's what we need to start looking for again in the fall. You'll find that those fish are moving from the mid-lake humps and ranges, and they start following that land back to the uh, shoreline where they're looking for those bait fish that are moving off in that area. So it's really, it's really uh, I think, important to keep that in mind. And there are periods of time, and I think we all have these frustrations where we go out expecting to really nail them because the weather's just right, the temperature's right, 
and we can't find them. They just seem to have disappeared. And I think uh, sometimes on the shallower lakes, it's hard to know where they go. We just can't find them. On the deeper lakes, we often will see them and we'll find them, but they just won't bite. And there's just days like that. All fall, there's going to be days where the bite isn't very good, but then there's going to be days when it's just great. So like lakes like Red and Winnie do not have thermoclines, so the fish are more likely to stay close to shore in the fall, and that's where you're going to have your best bet when you want to go out and look for them. On the lakes with a thermocline, like Cass, Bemidji, Leech, um, uh, in the Gall Lake, in the Brainerd area, North Long, those have thermoclines, and there's where you want to start looking a little bit deeper. And if you go farther north, there's an annual fall run of walleyes on the Rainy River in September and October. <clears throat> and I didn't get up there last year, but two of my friends did. And, Brian, they had photos that would be good enough for almost any magazine in the country. Really, really big walleyes and an occasional sturgeon. And that river is about 40 miles long of navigable water, and it begins at the Lake of the Woods, and it heads east along the Canadian border. And a lot of people go up there in April to fish these uh, big fish, and not nearly as many go up there in the fall. But the fall fishing can be just as good as it is in the spring, and it's a great place to go and really get uh, some nice fish. And one other little tip, when you're fishing in the shallow waters of, uh, even on Gull Lake, because there's a lot of areas on Gull Lake, seven, eight feet deep, uh, use your side scans or your side scopes, because when you go over water like that, you're going to spook the fish out from under the boat. Uh, but if you look on the sides, and some of these side scans go off 70, 80 feet, you can see these pods of fish, and you can mark them, throw a marker on them, and then you can sneak up on them with a trolling motor, and you'll have a much better success ratio of pulling those fish out of those waters in that particular way. So um, just uh, populations vary on these lakes. Uh, the DNR is going to be going out. Uh, most of the fishery guys are going to be going out probably starting this next week to start doing samples to see what the uh, populations are looking like for walleyes, perch, Cisco's, and then they'll be publishing that information probably in late October or early November. Um, but So we're right in that transition right now where it's going to be kind of tough fishing for a while, but boy, what's coming around the corner is going to be pretty exciting. You know, one lake, uh, Ray, and maybe you did mention it and I just missed it, um, was Mille Lacs. Uh, is there any turnover on that lake? Uh, you know, for the most part, no. I think the deepest, probably the deepest water in Mille Lacs is 35 feet. And Mille Lacs is constantly windswept, and so that water is constantly turning. So I, you might be able to find some areas. That if you can find some 40-foot areas, you might see a little thermocline in that area. But so much of that lake also is, is basically shallow water, and so there's not much of a thermocline. There's probably a, some areas of thermocline there, but uh, it's not like you know the, the other lakes, Gall Lake and those deep ones. There you go. That's Ray Gildow, Nisswa Guides League. Check him out at raygildow.com as well as all over social media. I appreciate the great info as always, Ray. You bring it each and every week. I appreciate it. And right, Thank uh, you, Brian. Yep, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. You bet. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we head out to Mille Lacs. I always like to get the report out there on the big pond from Steve Saponiak with Predator Guide Service. 
And Steve, the one thing that always we talk about with Malax, and it can be a little psycho sometimes with water temps out there. Things can shut down in a heartbeat, and we've had some cooler nights. How has that affected things out there? You know, Brian, great question. I think he nailed it right on the head. You know, it can shut down things like a heartbeat. And unfortunately, that happened a couple of times here this last week with those extreme cold fronts. My gosh, we had frost. A lot of people are losing their gardens. But uh, we went from having fantastic northern pike fishing a 6-1 day with 5 over 15 pounds to uh, two days later, not even a bite in the same area. So it is. The cold water temperatures, you know, are great. Everything's a nice now, it's supposed to be a nice slowdown into fall, but uh, when you drop four or five degrees overnight, that's a little bit more than a nice slowdown. That's an immediate cold front, and it does shut things off. Unfortunately, you know, we've seen it. You know, things are starting to move a little bit better, but, you know, you got those cold evenings in the 30s. Boy, that's awful cold for this time of year. That's for sure. Yeah, I heard my furnace kick on uh, yesterday morning, and I was like, what is this? No way. Uh-huh. I'm right. afraid we're not going to see a fall again. I hope I, I hope you're wrong, to be honest with you. I, I don't want to go right from summer to winter, but... You know, let, let's keep our fingers crossed we actually do get a fall because uh, there's so much going on right now, including, you know, musky fishing gets really good about this time of year, Steve, right until about deer opener. Uh, how's that been? You know, the musky fishing has been doing okay. I got to tell you, at least uh, seven out of nine trips, seven out of ten trips, excuse me, had their chance at a fish. I keep telling everybody that little love taps a hit, and that's basically what we've been having. And we've been seeing the fish, too, after they come and nail it. They keep following in, which is incredible. So, yeah, that kind of fishing has been doing pretty good. You know, the fish are going, the muskies are moving. It's their time of year to shine. Unfortunately, I can't set the hook for my people. And uh, I've got a lot of seasoned anglers muskie fishing over 20 years, and I tell them, you get a little love tap, set the hook. Over three-quarters of them look at me like I'm crazy, you know. Then they find out, oh, my God, you know, how many hundreds of muskies have have they missed over the year because they never realized that. But, yeah, the muskies are starting to move, Brian. The weeds are doing good, the deep weeds, and the rocks are starting to show fish, too. So fish that 12 to 14 foot on the rocks and then move in on top of the rocks also. Uh, fish early in the morning has been very productive for us, and late in the evening has been productive for us, if I can learn to talk here. You know, it's a matter of uh, I'm going to be starting my trips again, like mid-morning you know, probably like nine, ten o'clock, so we can go a little later in the day and catch the warmer water temperatures and get the fish moving again. So that's what it's taken. Right now, things are moving, but it's a little slow. Then they speed up and another cold front comes by. So we can continue to bang our heads against a brick wall for sure. You know, with these colder water temps, Steve, this might be a very silly question, but maybe for some of our rookie anglers that are listening right now, what do these fish do when when you have these drastic, like you said, we drop four or five degrees in one night? What happens to these fish? Do they just go lethargic and they just don't want to bite, or they go deep, or they go shallow, or they just hide in the weeds? Uh, what what is it that that causes them to kind of shut down? It's a great question, Brian. A fantastic question. A cold front, everybody. A cold front puts undue stress on fish. It drops a water temperature. It shifts their metabolism from being active to just about dormant. 
everybody knows what it's like to be outside when it's 80 degrees and everything. Your body's sluggish and everything. It's a little slow moving, but yet you're, you know, you're getting acclimated to it. You know, and as the weather continues, your body gets more acclimated to it. Now, all of a sudden, let's go from 80 degrees down to 20 degrees, down to 10 degrees. As a human being, that's a huge change in temperature for the body. It's hard for the body to get acclimated. You just sort of go into a, like a, not a deep freeze and not a coma, but you suspended state of animation, let's just say. You're there, but you don't feel like doing a thing. Same with the muskie, same with all fish, Brian, with a cold front. It drives them down deeper into the weeds and near the bottom. Uh, we had a couple of days there where we didn't see a single leech on any of the pike or any of the other fish that we caught. We've taken some nice size walleyes up to 29 inches muskie fishing. Then uh, two days after the cold front, three days after cold front, Brian, we're starting to catch fish again slowly, and every one of them has leeches on their uh, fins, on their bellies, all over the place. That shows that a cold front drives them down, drives them deep, and drives them into the weeds. So that's exactly what we're facing right now is trying to get them going again. So walleye anglers out there, Steve, how have they been doing? Do they want to get in the weeds right now too? Well, you know, there's always walleyes in the weeds. I know it's contrary to popular belief from all the walleye heads, and I chase them too. You know, we jokingly call them gravel carp, those musky fishermen, but I, I miss the days of walleye guiding. It's fun. Uh, there's always walleyes in the weeds, just like there's always a certain amount of fish, Brian, that never leave the weeds. It's got everything. The weeds is like a jungle. It's like a woods. It's got all the cover for them, all the forage for them. you got the walleyes that uh, travel the main base and the rock flat or the rocks, the reefs. You've got them chasing over there in the mud, and in the sand so there's walleyes all over they slowed down a little bit but they're still being a lot more productive right now than just about any other species we got on the big pond brian how about the bass how have they been doing Bass, you know, you're going to get yourself a few smallmouth. If you're lucky, you pop off a dozen of them. Or, but it's been really, really a little tough with them, too, after these cold fronts. Everything seems to be a little lethargic. The bass are in the deeper water, anywhere from 12 to 22 feet. I would say get there with a uh, jig, you know, uh, drop shot with a jig on it, like a little uh, tube jig or like a uh, pig jig, you know, uh, bass and pig and everything like that. I'm trying to get the words out. It's a little difficult right now. But just let it sit. You know, you're fishing about six inches off the bottom. Just let it sit. We're not looking for the most active fish right now, Brian, after these cold fronts, because there is none hardly. But uh, find the fish on your so- sonar, you know, get a drop jig down there and everything, and uh, just be patient. Same with walleye fishing. If you're not picking them up, Lindy Riggin, drop a bobber out with the leads right next to the bottom and be patient. It will happen. And one last question, Steve. Uh, it looks like once we get out of this cold front, we're going to get back up into the upper 70s, maybe even 80s uh, here in the coming days. How does that change things going from cold to warm rather than warm to cold? Good question, Brian. It's going to get the fish active again, but it's going to take two days of the steady weather, you know, warming up and warming the water temperatures back up to get them active again. We got to get them off the bottom. We got to get them out of those bottoms of the weeds and everything. And the warmer water temperatures will get them moving again. They'll be putting on the feed bag again. It's fall. Everything is going to be put on the feed bag. But after the first good warm day, figure another two days, maybe three days before things really get active again. Then after Labor Day, I'm sure Labor Day weekend was pretty nuts out there on Malak, Steve. But uh, now that we're past that, are you still seeing quite a few boats out there, or is it pretty quiet? 
It's pretty quiet out there, Brian. You know, most of the people in Minnesota, I don't never understand this. A lot of the resorts they go to, uh, it's, hard, it's void after Labor Day. A lot of places that have their own cabins on all the lakes around Minnesota, they close up after Labor Day because the kids start school. Well, I understand that, but you're missing out on a lot of fun, a lot of good action. You know, the kids aren't in school all weekend. Come on back up, enjoy the fall bite, have fun, you know, and take you know take advantage of what there is to offer around, too, like the big pond, the lakes. Like, it's not only the fishing, Brian. You've got all the trails for hiking. You've got all the trails from uh, Albany, Minnesota, right past the uh, Walk-On Bay, Walk-On Town on the south end of Malaxic, all the way up to Duluth. Take an ATV, take a bike, or even try walking. So there's a lot of uh, opportunities to be had around the area. And I per, I don't know about you, Steve, but I'm seeing it here around Brainerd a little bit. Uh, normally it, it gets, you know, you can tell the traffic uh, gets a lot lighter after Labor Day. But this year, being we're in a goofy year with COVID and all of that, um, I think people are kind of hanging around up here a little bit longer than they normally do. And so, I mean, like you were saying, these resorts around Mille Lacs and stuff, they could, you know, clean up on something like that. Oh, definitely. You know, check it out. Everybody right now, let's be honest, everybody's hurting a little bit economy-wise. A lot of people, like you said, are staying up at their cabins more. Take advantage of the situation. That's fantastic. Enjoy what there is to be had and what, what there is to offer. But, you know, go spend a little bit of money, too, at the grocery store. Maybe take in, uh, take in some other festivities. Paul Bunyan land up around Brainerd. You know, check out the different towns. There's always garage sales all around the area. There's a lot to be, lot to be had for sticking around the beautiful areas we got. And you know what? How often do we get a chance to sit back and enjoy the beauty and enjoy everything else? Right now, the leaves are changing, and that's a great thing. So there's a lot there to be going. And one one final you know note about muskie fishing too, Brian. I'd like to say you know I hear some guys you know talking about the bite being a little tough and everything. You know, fish hard. Fish smart, guys, and fish deeper and slower. I'll give you that much of a hint. And for the guys who keep trolling and not slowing down when they're catching these big fish, well, we got one guy in the northeast corner who's killed two, uh, three fish already. One died and two they kept, so that's three. That's not smart. Those days are over with where people keep a fish, get a replica. You know, and if you can't respect the fish and respect everything else there is to offer, quit guiding. But uh, enjoy the outside, enjoy the outdoors, and have fun, no doubt. There you go. Steve Spaniak, Predator Guide Service. Check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. Steve, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, bud, okay? My pleasure. Thank you. And that is going to wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. You can uh, stream the show live if you're away from your radio. You can still catch it at uh, todaysbestcountry.com as well as brainerdoutdoorsradio.com. And we're all over the podcast network. So if you want to listen to it on demand, you can do that as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Zealand Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Liveax Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.